tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Good bourbon. Hello, fight fans. Hello. Welcome to another episode of UFC on AfterBuzz TV. Of course, my name is Jay Tan, one half of the Ugly Laptop Brothers, and uh, my cohort, my tag team partner you of call that. Call cohort again. Cohort. Yes. A cohort. Cohort. Oh. I put the T there. Okay. But he is quite a whore. George Hermosa coming in with a nice, uh, nice snappy, snappily dressed, fashionable it's, T-shirt. It's laundry day. Shut up. Well, it is. Yeah, yeah, I got nothing on that. Yeah, it's it's like our new Reebok uniform. Everybody right. needs to be wearing U of MMA. That's right. Hopefully, I don't get fired for saying <laughs> the wrong thing. Too soon? Is he on yet? Of course, we're here uh, covering UFC on Fox 16. TJ Dillashaw defending his title against Henan Barrow. The rematch from uh, God, May. two years ago, right? May of 2000, uh, 2014. Was it 14 on there? Yeah. Okay, so over a year ago. Um, Wait, you say UFC on Fox 16? UFC on Fox 16. They've Man. done 16 of those shows on Big Fox, believe it or not. I would say I remember the first one, but I guess that one wasn't really considered the first one, the Velasquez Dos Santos. I think it was. No, no, but it was just kind of like it wasn't really con- – because essentially their contract with Fox hasn't started yet at that time. It was just kind of like, a, oh, here's a bonus thing. Cause no, it was that was just the first fight. one. No, it, even though it was a, it was a one-fight, one-hour special. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think it was considered the first one. It was just a bonus, like a, an extra. Look it up. I don't think it was considered the first one. I was going to say, we've got uh, – joining us here is uh, Joe Boza, of course, in the uh, YouTube chat room. We will also be uh, joined uh, later on by uh, Stitch Duran. Dude, Joe Boza's um, the man. He really is. He is uh, certainly an, an extended part of the AfterBuzz team. Mm-hmm. And the guy's all over with uh, all over, not just our show, but many of the others. Um, but Stitch Duran should be coming on as well. We'll talk about the uh, – what do you want to put – call the everything that's going on. I think we may have uh, Stitch – hey, there's the man. What's up, my man Jay? All right. How you doing there, sir? Oh, come on, man. That's a silly question to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing fine, though. You know what? I'm here with uh, with Charlotte, with Carla, with Homie. And uh, the we're whole family, a great time, brother. You know, oh, wow. uh, like Carlos Santana. Yeah. <laughs> so we go see South Hall after this. Okay, all right. You're keeping in the uh, keeping. Are you keeping in a fight fight weekend for you? You uh, you you did a show. Uh, you're um, cornering somebody yesterday, right? Yeah, Boxing? David Shumanov uh, from Kazakhstan. He won the cruiserweight WBO cruiserweight championship of the world mm-hmm. and uh, I just left him a while ago we had a nice little celebration uh, but he's the first one in Kazakhstan to win two championships in two different divisions so uh, uh, my hats go off to him so yeah nice uh, next next weekend uh, I have the World Series of Fighting I'm going to be working with okay uh, Friday from 1 to 3 I'm going to be doing an autograph signing with uh, a couple of the champions uh, at Fight Shop, so... Uh, and it's in th- Vegas, th- right? Pardon me? That's in Vegas, right? That's in Las Vegas, and, right. uh, you know, just got a call from Corey Schaefer, the president of the ISKA, about working the Glory fight uh, the following Saturday on the 14th. I think it's on a Saturday. Uh, so I told him we'll talk tomorrow, and, and so on and so on, man. But, then on uh, the 16th, you've got University of MMA here in L.A., right? And the 16th, I have the <laughs> University of MMA in L.A., and you know, Charlotte's the one that says she only if I could take her shopping and Jay buys me a nice steak dinner. It's done. All right. It'll be your steak dinner that I end up giving to her. So uh, you'll have to fend for yourself, uh, but I will buy her a steak dinner. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, Jay. Well, as we were uh, just starting to open up here, talking, of course, uh, in part about UFC on Fox 16 yesterday, TJ Dillashaw defending against uh, Henan Barrow. Um, running down the list here real quickly. Of course, that was uh, the main event. Dillashaw winning by TKO uh, in the fourth round. Misha Tate and Jessica I in the 
the co-main event, women's bantamweight fight for number one contendership, really. Misha coming out on top uh, with the unanimous decision, 30-27s across the board there. Uh, lightweight, Edson Barbosa and Paul Felder, the... the at that point, undefeated. undefeated Paul Felder, ten and zero, now ten and one. Um, that one ended up getting uh, fight of the night honors. Edson Barboza coming out, unanimous decision. Uh, Joe Lozon opening up the Fox card. Uh, Joe Lozon versus Takanori Gomi. One of my favorites. Takanori Joe, Gomi. Joe Lozon. Joe Lozon. Yeah. Well, it's all the more reason to now. I was mm-hmm. going to say, if it was Gomi, then you can. Uh, Switch allegiances there, but Gomi, but Gomi was the man. I mean, he still is the man in some ways. A lot of guys still look up to him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Gomi, he can still go. I just think Joe Lozon is is, is so yeah. badass. Well, Gomi is certainly a, a veteran that's been through, he's seen seen his fair share of wars, and uh, I, I think we've probably seen you know uh, seen his high point past him probably in in pride. Yeah. I think. I'm I'm proud of being fans of like guys like Joe Lozon and Stephen Thompson where. You normally don't think of them as the somebody's favorite. You know, mm-hmm. you always think of them maybe somebody who's a champion or somebody who's been around for a while. But I, I've always liked that kind of, I don't want to say underdog, but just kind of guys that don't really get to main event. Granted, Thompson was in the main event the last time he was in fought. working man's fight. Yeah, yeah, it's little things that I just kind of notice that, that really make a difference between them and other people. Uh, they may not have the best record in some ways, you know, especially Joe Lozon, who I think lost them. Michael Johnson not too long ago, mm-hmm. um, but still always puts on a show. K- kind of guys like Chris Lytle as well. Yeah, um, Chris Joe's, is one of my early favorites. Joe Lozon especially. I think he's got the record for most uh, money gained from uh, bonuses. 13. Yeah. He's yeah. probably made more money on bonuses than, <laughs> than he has. Seriously, than he's yeah. done on his fights. So. I agree. But he's a true warrior. And you guys were talking about Gomi real quick. And when we did the uh, fights in Japan, yeah, I'm wrapping his hands and he says, Steesh. About how many hands have you wrapped? I said, well, Gomi, maybe 5,000, and you're 5,001. And, uh, <laughs> so I got a smile off of him, you know. So that was a great thing and, uh, you know, just a, a great relationship with these guys. Joe Lazan, yeah, I think he's everybody's, you know, blue-collar fighter. Mm-hmm. All there and uh, and give the fans everything that the fans pay for, you know. So I always expect the fight uh, from him. And I remember his first coming out party, uh, I was working with Jens Pover. And I'm thinking, okay, well, Jess Bowers is a legend. He's actually one of the, him and Dave Monet were the first two guys that I rapped uh, when I first came into the UFC. And, and I was working this corner against Joe Lazan. And really that was, for me, was the first changing of the guards where this evolution of these type of fighters are ready to leave and the new ones, which are the Joe Lazans and the other ones, mm-hmm. are coming in. Yeah. Uh, you, obviously, you've worked with... Pretty much everybody across the board, I think, um, probably on this uh, this card here, at least certainly the Fox card, if not the undercard as well. Um, you uh, well, you were working last night. I'm guessing you didn't have a chance to catch any of the fights or anything. No, I sure didn't. You yeah. know, uh, you've well, had a little bit of a little bit of a week with the UFC, haven't you? What's that? A little bit of a week with the UFC, huh? <laughs> yeah, not, much. not the usual par for the course uh, curriculum for the week, right? Well, it, it you know, and it goes way back to. Uh, uh, July the 11th. You know, we talk about a busy, busy week for them, right? I, yeah. I did the um, uh, McGregor and uh, Mendes fight, and Sunday I did the tough fight, and mm-hmm. uh, Wednesday I did the UFC in San Diego, and then I came back Thursday and I did the finales for the tough Japan, and then oh, wow. Friday I did the eliminations for the new uh, season 22, which was uh, Conor McGregor and Uriah Fiv- Favor, and wow. then Tuesday... Uh, I get some news that I'm no longer working with the UFC. Yeah, that uh, that whole thing. I mean, I'm not sure quite where to start. A lot of the headlines have already uh, have been out there. It's a little. We spoke a little bit off uh, offline. You were saying it's a little bit old news, and you're you're looking to move on. Um, that said, I, I think it is. It's an important story to kind of recap and and hit some of the details. I think there's story in the details here. Broad strokes, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong on any of this stuff, you did an interview with uh, BloodyElbow.com stating how the Reebok uh, deal with the UFC affects you directly in that you are no longer – cut men are no longer allowed to have their own sponsors on their jackets. They are required to wear the Reebok uh, vest and are not getting compensated for it at all. You're right on point. And – the I know the, uh, the the link is out there. People can obviously uh, go in and read the article itself. There wasn't 
there didn't seem to be any malicious or uh, um, you, you weren't you weren't talking trash as, as you typically don't keeping a you know consummate professionalism. I think the worst thing that you said was well, even going so far as to say that um, you didn't think that this was done out of malice, but simply you guys had simply been left to uh, left kind of to the side in them preparing this deal. Fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. We were overlooked, no doubt about it. And and you know, it's uh, it's something I had to bring up, Jay, because. Uh, at that point on the July 11th one, I lost my sponsorship money, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and what I was getting paid with from the UFC for these shows just didn't make it, uh, didn't make it, it didn't make it worthwhile for me to continue and stay, even right. though I, uh, I loved working with these guys, you know, but I, I stayed in here. Even fights before, I gave up a lot of the major boxing events, uh, shows because mm. I was already committed to the UFC and, in fights like in Brazil where I had to have a visa or Australia, you know, and uh, so I gave up some opportunities like that. You know? So you you, and, you said what you said kind of knowing the, the backlash part of it. Well, you know, I mean, listen, I, I found out about this a year ago, and uh, you know, it was December, I'll never forget, and I said, well, you know, they're going to take our sponsorships away in January. That was kind of like the understanding that, that we as a cut man had a little bit, and, and then we realized that, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be – you know, later on in June. And uh, so throughout that whole period, you know, we try to, you know, we talked amongst ourselves and we knew that we had to get something, you know, how can you wear somebody's logo as a primary product and not get compensated for it? You know, the, uh, that market just, that's what you do. And, uh, and we were not being given that opportunity. So, you know, we try to schedule some meetings and we went to the people that we report to, and the feedback I was, it was always uh, when they came back the uh, UFC didn't didn't have no money uh, set aside for us. Do you think that it was specifically That's a disrespectful thing? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so come when when Bloody Elbow did the interview, I guess it was just at the right time, at the right place, with the questions that were asked of me. I answered them as polit- politically correct as possible, and uh, I think the fans, uh, the media, like yourselves, Jay, you guys read into what happened. The fans started responding like, you know, God, you know, these guys, just get, we didn't know. You know, a lot of these guys never knew. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's not going to help change me, but maybe, you know, through this process, the cut men get, uh, get recognized, number one, and then get compensated fairly. That's yeah. it. We didn't ask for much. Yeah, it's it's in part two of of the of the story, and then certainly the ramifications. I think are a really fascinating part in that there was such a huge backlash when the bloody elbow story came out that Twitter really blew up. There were so many fans. I, I think that there were so many fans taking your side and the side of the Cutmen, saying it's not unrealistic to to throw a bone to the Cutmen. Give them a piece of the pie. You shouldn't not. And I personally understand that and, and agree with it. Um, but it was such a huge backlash. I think seemingly, uh, probably unexpected, but it, it was like more, just more, uh, fuel for the fire of a backlash against Reebok and this kind of failed or faulted, faltered at least, uh, debut of the Reebok sponsorship deal. Um, a lot of people unhappy with, with the uniforms and things like that, the uniforms, the lack of pay compared to what they were getting before, etc., and now this kind of treatment to the cut men. Um, do you think that it was an intentional thing on behalf of the UFC? Like they actively, for whatever reason, justified or not, decided to wanted to only focus on fighters and thinking that you guys would go along with it, or was is there any kind of idea of the rationale for for this? Uh, you know, I'm so far beyond that now, Jay. But those are questions that you guys need to ask and and mm-hmm. and you know need to be answered. And you know, let me ask you because I'm a journalist also. Is what do you think? You know, do you think uh, that was something that was intended by the UFC? I, you know, I haven't. The, the point is, we're not getting compensated, and we've been told yeah. that there was no money in the pocket. So you know, everything I've gotten from point A to, to now, Jay, mm-hmm. I, I've done it all on myself. I've never really been want to be kissing anybody's ass and, right. and and all that. So a lot of the things, the majority of the things I've created myself. So, you know, when I get the no right off the bat, I, I'm not going to go over there and, and chase them. They know what our quality was. Well, they didn't know. The the <laughs> fighters knew. The fans were starting to react to what, you know what, uh, when I had the one more round. You know, Stitch is giving these fighters that one more round. So everybody in the industry knew uh, except for the people that need to make a difference and 
and uh, and keeping us. This is my full time job. This is what I do. This yeah. is my career. Uh, Thirty years of it, you know. So uh, I just had to protect myself, and I figured if since I used to get the sponsors, the sponsors would come to me, and I would get the other cut men, not all of the elite cut men, the the top four cut men. I would get them sponsored, and uh, I didn't have to do that, you know. So I kind of became the guy that was the leader. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it was time to do that article, and I knew that things weren't looking good with the UFC, with us, number one, wearing these very basic cornerman jackets. Uh, to me, it was an insult because, you know, Mass designed the original vest, and, and I took pride in wearing them, you know, mm -hmm. when I was with Tap Out. And, and then when I left them, I went to one more round, and, and through his knowledge and his uh, artistic talents, I designed the ones from there, therefore, after. So mm -hmm. I take pride in mine. You know, and to be given a vest like that was, it was just, uh, you know, yeah, not very professional. Specifically, I think it's important that this this gets out um, and established as well. You were told when you got the phone call from the UFC letting you go, they said specifically that it was because of the bloody elbow uh, article. Is that correct? That's correct. Wow. All right. And, and it's was was there any discussion at all that? Your words were not nearly as inflammatory as what fighters and many other people have said uh, publicly. Even fighters themselves. I, I, someone had told me that Brendan Schaub told people to not buy his own fighter kit. Right. No, you know, Jay, the two guys that call me are my friends. Everybody in the UFC organization were my friends. I guess maybe not Dana. You know, he said I wasn't his friend, but, yeah. but everybody. And, you know, when you talk about friends, it's not about, you know, breaking bread all the time. You know, there's the guys that call me. You know, mm -hmm. we've gone out for a beer as a team. We've done this. Those are friends. Those are what you consider friends. And they're the ones that had to be the bearers of the bad news and call me in. And when I was being told, uh, I could hear my friend's voice. Mm. It wasn't very comfortable saying it. And uh, and I wasn't going to backlash him and, and, and yeah. get a, you know question him and all that. Right. I think it was already done. He's not the one doing it. He's a messenger. I'm not going to give him a hard time. Uh, but you know, it's it's. I knew who did it. Yeah. Was it was it ultimately Dana's decision and no one else's? Well, I don't know. You know, that's yeah. I don't know. You know, you got Lorenzo Fertitta there. That's uh, that's with the company. You have uh, these other attorneys, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what their internal system is. You know, I. Uh, but whosoever decision it was, you know, as as they say, if you're a general in the military. And you know, you guys lose a battle, you're going to probably lose your position, right? So hmm. I know it was. It could have been anyone, you know. Uh, but I don't know. Of the the Dana said in his uh, interview yesterday after the fight, um, they have ten cut men under contract. Obviously, I presume uh, independent contractor contracts. So you know, guys that can rely, and, and I believe a girl as well who can rely on getting uh, getting gigs on fight days. Um, of that. I'm curious now, this is leading to a point, how many would you, what percentage would you give in terms of of their their cut men and cut people staff, how many would you say is are, are more of the, the older OG type that have the experience to, they can, they can kind of, um, um, what's the word, uh, share with some of the younger ones? Because if I understand correctly, uh, my opinion of this trickle-down effect here is that you're no longer there. If that continues, if there is a trend, there's at least one more spot now open. Um, there are younger cut people coming up and, and working with the UFC. But you still need the OGs like you. You still need the experienced ones who have seen really bad cuts and can can close things up to a point that a match can continue. This is what I think people, the casual fans don't realize is the effect of uh, of not having experienced cut people that are able to do what they do for the matches to continue. Otherwise, if the cut is not able to be closed, a match will potentially end much earlier and fans don't get to see what they want to see and et cetera, et cetera. The, the matches end earlier and, right. and, and it affects people's uh, paychecks certainly as well, the fighters particularly. Um, so to, to that end, your, your thoughts on the, the group, the staff that they have, and I'm not asking you to talk about good or bad, but you know, I want to get some opinion on, on, what you think is going to result of this and how the UFC cut staff fares going forward? 
Yeah, good. Very good questions. I hope my memory remembers every one of those questions you asked me, but we'll try to answer them for it, you. It was right? a long way around a single question, really. I apologize <laughs> yeah, for yeah, the Yeah, yeah. What are the you going to cut me, huh? You know, but I tell you what, the, you know, let's get back to square one. Do we have a little bit of time for this, Jay? You know, Absolutely. I, I, I want to take you back to square one when, uh, when Dana brought me on board. Then it was only UFC, uh, for, from UFC number one, it was the legendary Leon Tabs, mm-hmm. right? And then I came on board and, and Burt Watson was the coordinator. And, and at that point, we structured the program for Leon and myself. Hmm. You know, what are we going to do? We're going to wrap hands. We're going to work cuts. You know, Burt guided us and all that. And then it got so busy, everybody wanted us to wrap their hands that uh, we brought in Don House. And Don House used to train uh, Tito Ortiz and uh, Chuck Rydell for, uh, for Dana. So we brought him in as to wrapping hands, and Leon and I would wrap hands and work the fights. And, and then it got so busy that uh, we had uh, Rudy Hernandez came on board, uh, and then Rob Monroe, mm-hmm. uh, that used to work for Bellator now, uh, we brought him on board. And, and then from the Strike Force team, you had Ted Lucio and Witsi Mata. Witsi Mata, I, I got a text that uh, somebody had referred to Witsi as Machete, you know, so he was the Machete of the UFC, right? And, uh, he looks these, like Machete. Machete, yeah. He, he looks like that. So you're covering Carlos. Absolutely, yeah. No, he's uh, he's native from Mexico, and uh, he's very proud of his heritage, and and uh, his features definitely represent that. But he's the one that was. Uh, I saw a picture. He was working on one of the uh, the fighters last night. But these are the core seven. These are the guys that really established the UFC, and and we were running it for the longest, longest time, and it was running uh, like a machine as smooth as you could get. And then um, you know, the UFC wanted to expand, so they started bringing in additional cut men, and they did it without our approval. And they're bringing in guys that have a little bit of experience because they wanted to work in the UFC. And, and uh, uh, you know, those are things I was against. Of. I, I spoke out about it, but I have no control over that. You know, yeah. even offered, I went to the UFC office, and I offered to... Uh, help guide these guys and 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 put them in situations where you know I test them and and see if they're qualified to to go and work a fight at this level. And uh, I was turned down on that. So at that point, you know, everything started unraveling for the cut man. The you know, it's just like our respect was going further and further away. And uh, so you know, at that point, I just kind of slowed down and I figured, you know what, I'm going to work. Just think about myself. You know, I I had my Stitch Premium tape. Uh, that I was using there for about three months, and and then we're in Brazil, and I, I kind of get yelled at for using it, and I'm kind of flabbergasted, and and uh, so I meet with uh, the UFC people after that, and basically they wanted to charge me the same fees that they charge these other companies to sponsor, you know, the shirts or whatever, hmm. and uh, and I thought, wow, you know, that's uh, you know, I've been here since UFC what 33, yeah, and uh, you know, the tape that I had was was I designed it differently. It's a lot more glue. It's easy to rip. It's ideal for wrapping hands. I had tape that's one and a half inch, one inch, and, and a half inch that goes between the fingers. So, you know, that's an improvement of the game. And uh, and they wouldn't let me use that. And, well, next thing you know, the UFC has their own tape. Hmm. So, but, you know, the... Did the you use cut, that tape at all? Did you test are, it out? Well, well no, that's... No, you know, when that's that's the thing that's really a... A bummer, right? Because I created this tape, uh-huh. and and uh, and when the UFC did, they went to two of the youngest guys in 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 the business. One of them, I take that back, is 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 younger, but he's been through so many. He's done so much work, and and he was my student, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, he did a tremendous job. But nonetheless, they went to him, those two young guys, about advice on on the gauze and and what have you not and. And, and, uh, they went to the young grasshoppers and not the OGs. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, at that point, you just kind of see the writing on the wall. And, you know, I worked for R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company for like 23 years. And, and it, it was the same corporate structure. So I knew what was happening, you know. And But but for the love of the game, for the love of the fighters, you know, the being there with the fans, this is really what made this whole adventure for me worthwhile. It was never really... Uh, you know, I, I always went. I mean, listen, they gave me five guys in one night to rap. Uh, I did eight or nine because it was tough for me to uh, to say no. So I went way beyond the call of duty, and and like I said, and then to get uh, to get canned the way I did, just 
it's it's uh, not what I expected. You know, no. it wasn't wasn't the manly thing to do. Right. Go, of go, course. Real quick, going back to square one. How do you learn how to do these things that you do? And where where do the guys that they do hire? How did where do they come from? That's man. That's a good question. You know, and I just left Beboot's, uh Beboot Shumanov's. Uh, we had a little uh, celebration victory party for him, and and one of his friends is a uh, is a doctor, and his wife is a nurse, and and they asked the same question that I get asked all the time. Time is what does it take to be a cut man? And really, to be good at what you do, I tell them you got to spend hours and days and weeks and months and years in the gym learning how to be a fighter and working with the fighters and learning your trade as you go. And, you know, if you do it for the money, you do it for the wrong reasons. So the guys, the seven core guys that I spoke about, we have over 150 years experience. Easy. You know, me with 30, Don House with, you know, mid 30, you know, Rita Hernandez with, you know, maybe 30, you know, 35, you know, Rob Monroe, Ted Lucio, Witsi. These guys, actually, if you figure 25, 30 years each, let's say 25. Uh, that's 150 years experience for sure. You know, the ones in the background, if, if you take, and there's, there's a, there's a, uh, Scott Robb or a Reem from Boston that does a great job. He's, he's a boxing guy, but we are, we come from the sport of combat and not just walking in and people think because they're doctors or paramedics or, or EMTs or nurses that they could be cut men. Uh, but it takes a lot more than that. It's the, the application of wrapping hands, working cuts but also the psychological part of it. And the only way you're going to learn that, Jay, is to be in the gym with these fighters and get hit like these fighters and know what it feels like. And there's some in uh, some of the cutmen in the UFC that have not experienced that. And, and my concern is, as, as it goes further and they work more fights, uh, you know, you might see some uh, fighters being at a big disadvantage because of the cut man or cut person that they have working with them. Mm-hmm. A big part of it, it sounds like it's really a, a key to learning it is to to throw yourself into it. I, I'm guessing trial and error of wrapping hands and and asking fighters their feedback on it and and, and just the, the more experience, the more you get better at at it in in applying this tape and gauze to another person's fists. That no, uh, I, it's, it's an art, brother, and it's just you know you just you just can't do it, you know, and right. because. Because you want to be in the limelight. You want to have TV fights, and I could do this, and I could do that. That's not the way the system is designed, you know. And uh, so, you know, in that aspect, you got to go in there, and you got to pay your dues, and, and it pays off in the long run, you know. But uh, fighter safety, man, that's that's my number one concern. And, and you know, and it's funny. I, uh, I, Dana was talking about 10 cut men, and I started laughing because, you know, show you how much he knows about what we do. Actually, there's in the United States, there's 13 cut men. In Europe, which basically out of England and in Ireland, there's five more that we hired. And because we're expanding, or the UFC is expanding, mm-hmm. so they're using these cut men. And, and the ones in England are very good, right? They're boxing people. Mm-hmm. In Brazil, there's two of them. In England, there's one uh, that, that's a, a Muay Thai uh, martial arts fighter. So, you know, we have an accumulation of good, good cut men that they're expanding, but then there's some that are that need some, some some work. What do you think it is that they I mean they right place at the right time that they were signed by the UFC or uh, uh, what is it? What is, what is their method in terms of how they select or, or their their criteria for for bringing on new cut people? Well, that I, that I'm not privileged to. Yeah. You know, the only thing they tell us is we got a new cut person. Yeah. You know, so you know, if if you were running a good industry, let me ask you that. You know, in basic business, you're, they know that if you want to be the best, you hire the best to do what they do in their category, right? UFC hired these guys out of the NFL for the, whatever, the advertising. You know, they hired the best of the best to build up their, their company. And You're talking uh, about their execs, you mean, the executive team, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And But on the mechanical side is we had the best team. But now we're being diluted a little bit, and and I mm. hope that uh, that doesn't affect the fighters, and, and it affects the fans too because they don't get that one more round. Yeah, can you give us a good example of uh, matches in the past? Maybe some of your the cuts that you're more proud of, um, or or matches where you were able to kind of save the day, and we got uh, we got the match to continue another round or two. Oh sure, well let's you know 
How about the one with uh, Robbie Lawler and Rory McDonald? Yeah. You know, how about that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Afanasyev worked the blue corner throughout the the final five, I think, pay per view fights, and and he was the the young cut man, but had the ring's generalship. Mm-hmm. He was a, he, he boxed and he and he wrestled, but on the mechanical side, he came and he did a tremendous job, and and you know him and I worked the the final four together, and and he had Roy McDonald and I had uh, Robbie Lawler, and and we gave the fans probably the greatest fight in MMA history, and and you know we gave Robbie, I gave Robbie a, a victory, I helped him get his victory, and uh, you know Michael Fonisev kept Roy McDonald in the game as much as he could, so mm-hmm. you know if uh, the fans noticed it, I saw Robbie the next day because we did the tough, I'm in the back getting ready to walk out for the next fight. And he shows me his cut, and then he gives me a hug and says, "Thanks, man. You know, hmm. that was how the job you did. I didn't realize how big it was till I saw it." Hmm. So uh, that, you know, Forrest Griffin from the day one. You know, what would have happened if if that fight wouldn't have gone the distance, and and uh, you know, uh, Spike wouldn't have liked it. You know, and you're talking about Forrest uh, Griffin and Stephen Bonner, the first Stephen one. Stephen Bonner, yeah. yes, exactly. I was there. I was a, a big part of it. As a matter of fact, one of Forrest's uh, uh, corner guys. I'm standing there and. And he looks at me. He said, "You know what, Stitch? I'm not gay, but I got to give you a kiss, man, because <laughs> you did a great job in, in keeping Forrest in the game." You know, so you look at those moments when Forrest Griffin again with Shogun. You know, mm-hmm. uh, when when he the first Pride fighter to fight a UFC fighter mm-hmm. ended up with a big old cut, and and I kept him in the game. And you know, I'm sure as we sit down, there's there's handfuls of of other ones that I did. But I think if you ask the fighters, Jay, uh, you know what what does it mean for Stitch? To be in your corner, and and uh, you know what does that do to you as a fighter? I remember Frank Trigg said, uh, when Stitch walks into the dress room, my stomach just drops because I know it's time to fight. You know, so uh, you know we're we're definitely an important part of the game of the mix, and uh, you know people just didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. What, um, George? I can't read. I can't read what you're <laughs> the, the, the magic of the internet here. I'm passing, passing but, the note. I mean, I'm kind of curious too. Just being as experienced as you've been, obviously you've been what all over the world. Anything that sticks out to our fellow travelers who watch and listen to AfterBuzz? That wow, if that guy's been all over the world and he says that so and so is the best meal or the best you know country you've been to. Any any cool memories of as far as that goes? Oh come on, man! I got tons of memories. <laughs> oh, go ahead and name them. All, name them all. <laughs> you know. no, just you know, like people ask me about fighters, I look, man. If you pick a fighter, I'll probably tell you a pretty good story that I've had in, in relationship with him. You know, like Gomi, you mm-hmm. know, 5001, you know. And uh, so, yeah, but, you know, the I think my first visit to Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, uh, for the Brazilian fight, uh, I knew I was going to enjoy Brazil because I'm going through customs, and as soon as I get to the custom agent, he tells me, Stich, bom venido a Brazil, you know, obrigado. <laughs> Man, he stamped my thing, and, and I went through, and, I'm thinking, I like this, you know, and, and then to get stopped in, in the streets of Rio de Janeiro by the police, and, you know, they point at me, and then they do this, and, you know, so <laughs> I had that type of recognition, and uh, so that was that was tremendous, and I think that's when Jose Aldo fought, and if it was, actually, and then he won, and he, that's when he runs into the audience, so, oh, yeah, turns, but, but I've had tons of those, the, when I was in Japan, we came back from, uh, or went back to Japan after so many years off, and uh, I'm working the first fights. Uh, so I'm walking from the dressing rooms into the arena down the hall, and uh, you hear people in the audience, Stitch Sun! Stitch Sun! <laughs> and here I am walking with my buckets, and just, mm-hmm. I got chills, you know, so uh, uh, there's tons and tons and tons of memories. Is there anywhere out there that you've been wanting to go to that you, you knew that maybe was going to at some point get there? Uh,. Well, yeah, Madison Square Garden, you uh, know, that was uh, Rio de Janeiro. You know, I never thought I'd be in Abu Dhabi, yeah. in Dubai. Uh, you know, first time I'm there, I, I wrapped these uh, couple guys that are royalty uh, from the royal family. I wrapped their hands, and, and they're just so ecstatic because Anderson Silva is signing them, and I'm giving them cast. And, and they, they invite me to a party that was just, like, tremendous out of this world. And, and the prince is telling the guys, you know, I got to go, but this is Stitch. You make sure you take care of them. Ah, tons of moments, man. It, uh, I've had a great career and a great life. Real quickly, uh, I ran down the list of results uh, for the main card last night. Uh, anybody that stood out in your mind, anybody you're particularly uh, 
you know, close with have uh, stories. D- Dillashaw, Burrell, Misha Tate, Jessica I, Edson Barboza. Yeah, well, you know, let's start off with, with DJ. You know, I've, I've gotten all the alpha male guys. I, mm, I yeah. rap them because I guess I grew I had my school kickboxing in Fairfield, which was close to the Sacramento area. Plus, I like the guys, right? Mm-hmm. That Castillo, you know, these are the guys that I've always had a nice bond with that, uh, that when they would ask Bert, uh, to if Stitch could wrap their hands, uh, whether they were on my list or not, I would I would wrap their hands anyway. But TJ, I I wrapped his hands for the first Burrell fight, and I took a picture with him, and and I told him, you know, I want to be the first one to take a picture with a new champ, hmm. and uh, and that became quite special. But uh, yeah, you know, it's a great moments with all these guys and Misha Tate. Obviously, you know, I worked with her during the reality show with she fought Ronda. But same thing, I know Brian came in one time and. And says, you know, your Misha's not on your list, but can you wrap her hands? Because she, when you wrap her hands, her confidence level goes up so high. Hmm. If you could do that, I would appreciate it. And and I did, you know, and I did, and and I'm glad I did. And you know, those are the little moments that we do. Those hmm. those aren't the ones that you know I'm looking at getting paid for and all that. It's, I do it because I enjoy the game. Uh, but there's tons of stories. Uh, Leona Machida just sent me a a text night before last that he had just found out what had happened and and it was a very very heartfelt sense uh, uh uh text but when he beat rashad evans i walked into the dressing room to congratulate him and you know i just his father's such a proud man with his kimono and just sitting there very you know chest out back straight mm-hmm. just very proud of his son he's just won a world title right so i go in there and i congratulate leoto and uh, and in front of his father he says stitch in the ring, you are my father, you know, and, <laughs> and that, I tell you, in front of his father, wow. I'm looking at the shit, I hope he don't kick the shit out of me, <laughs> but, but, but that's, that's a respect factor, right, and mm-hmm. uh, every time I see his father and Leoto, and the whole family, they all show me a whole lot of respect, and Vitor, you know, Vitor just called the other day, and, Vitor and, Belfort. and was, was, yeah, Vitor Belfort, was heartbroken, you know, Stitch, he says, uh, when I fight, I'm going to bring you in as my cut man, you know, so... Are they going to be gotta, allowed to do that? Now, now we got to determine whether UFC is going to let me work those fights <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's, I was wondering. Obviously, that's I, I didn't. I don't think I quite stuck with me until recently. How one of the big differences in the way the boxing and MMA is set up is that the the promotions in MMA typically will hire cut men to to work all the fighters. Um, certainly, we do that with the with the U of MMA. Um, but whereas boxing is much more individualized in that respect and that boxers are bringing hiring cut men directly and and they're essentially another part of their own corner that they bring along i mean you could literally literally have as many different cut men on a single night as you got fighters on that night correct oh no absolutely each team you know will bring in the cut man and Mm -hmm. uh, like i'll go to germany work with vladimir klitschko i'll work with two or three of of their fighters from their stable but yeah normally every every team is responsible for their own cut man and uh, not like the UFC and you know and and it was surprising that people really the media didn't pick up on it but and that you know nothing was really said but that was one of Dana's first ingenious things to do in making the UFC as safe as could is to bring in professional cut men mm-hmm. uh, to help these fighters because MMA was such a new sport well 14 15 years ago whenever we started that these guys didn't know how to wrap hands, and they definitely didn't know how to work uh, cuts. So Dana brought me in to help Leon Tabs so we could start keeping these guys as safe as possible. I thought, well, that's very ingenious, but nobody ever really uh, uh, brought that up or even noticed. You know, So maybe at that point I should have figured out that there's a little going to be a, a little bit of an issue with the cut man. Hmm. But at that point, it was not even a problem. Yeah. Now that you're... Um, I, I, saw an announcement recently that you're going to be working the uh, World Series of Fighting next week. You're kind of going out on, on your own here. Did you get your sponsors back? Yeah. This is the, uh, <laughs> this gave me this. Yeah, no, you know what? Uh, yeah, let me start off with the sponsors and then let me finish up with the WSOF. You know, well, number one, Ray Seffel was the first guy to call me, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, Stitch, we have a show August the 1st. If you can make it, I would love it. If not, I understand. Very simple, right? And uh, so, but even with Bad Boy, Wednesday when I did the fights in San Diego, 
I met with them uh, in their office, and basically we were parting ways, right? And uh, because his understanding at that point in mind was just, I was still going to stay with the UFC and we were going to try to figure out something. Uh, but that didn't happen. So Robin called me uh, the day after, well, the day I got fired. And he says, Stitch, I got something for you. He goes, what if, you know, since your vest is a very iconic vest, everybody always associates that vest with you. What if we make T-shirts that represent your vest, that look like your vest, and we sell them, and you keep all the proceeds uh, for six months? And it just kind of blew me away. And he says, also, what if we get all your Stitch Premium products, we discount them, we sell them, and for the next six months, you get you get all the all the proceeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was a tremendous tremendous feeling, you know, to get that kind of support from Robin. So getting to that point, you know, Charlotte and I thought about it throughout the night, and I think it was like eleven thirty seven at night. I, I sent Ray a text and my wife saying, uh, "What are you doing?" You know, I said, "Well, I'm telling Ray that I'm going to be working a show uh, 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 on the first of August, right?" Uh, but the storyline to that, Jay and George, is you know when Ray first had his first show uh, with the WSOF. You know, Ray's a good friend of mine. He had called me, uh, as he should have, and asked if I could bring in Cutman and do the same thing that we do like we did in the UFC, you know, the program that me and Don House and Leon established. So without a doubt, I, I, I did that. And the next thing I know is uh, we're not working the next five fights. And uh, bottom line is we were told that, you know, we're independent contractors and fight on a five-by-five five basis, and that we gave these guys credibility and take it from there. So anyway, I had to tell Ray I couldn't do it. As soon as I uh, got released, and uh, I accepted his offer, so I'm going to go over there and support him and, and uh, make it the best, you know, best show that he can. And continue on with boxing as well, right? You've got Andre Ward, you've got the Klitschko's, of course. Yeah, right, exactly, absolutely. And, uh, you know, with all the calls that I've been getting, uh, I... Uh, you're talking about sponsors, you know. I there's there's calls that are coming in, and and you know, Charlotte and Homie are and and Carla, we're all here, and Daniel's here, and you know, everything has been kind of overwhelming. I'm getting all these things, so we're jotting down numbers and taking names, and and I told them, you know, let's everybody let's talk next week. So uh, <clears throat> there's going to be some some things that are going to be happening. You know, one thing I got to thank Dana for is is that uh, thank you for. You know, kickstarting my new career because uh, <laughs> you know couldn't have done it without him, brother. <laughs> yeah, you could say that again. Well, cool, very good, sir. Um, gotta gotta let you go here. Um, we're gonna be wrapping up pretty soon, but wanted to thank you, of course, for the time. Um, always certainly a pleasure seeing you in Vegas and uh, and whereabouts. And hopefully, we'll catch you here in LA in a couple of weeks. There. Yes, thank you. One last question. One last question. How sure. often do people think you're Edward James almost? Uh, well, you know, I guess we look alike, man, number one. But just let me add also, one of the things that, that I'll be doing uh, is uh, I'm doing a movie with Edward J. Jones and Anderson Silva, September, September wow. the 25th. Uh, and it's an MMA movie where the director is actually going to be in a real fight. Oh, nice. And this fight is going to take place at Bellator in Los Angeles. Interesting. And, uh, so, yeah, talk about, uh, you know, things working in mysterious ways. You're asking, George, about Edward J. Jones, which... He's one of my big idols, and, and mm-hmm. I look up to him. I, I, uh, I'm i going to be working with him, and obviously the legend, the spider, that I've worked with many a times, I'll be mm-hmm. working with them. So that's uh, something I'm looking forward to, and, and uh, maybe we can talk that about, about that later down the road. Absolutely. You're welcome back anytime and every time. You know you know that. I know that, and I'm, you know, I'm giving you the same key you're giving me. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, uh, I got your back, man, and thanks for having my back. And let me just add with this WSOF. Uh, that I'm doing Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, Friday, Ray Seffo and the team asked if I would be willing to do an autograph signing with the, the champs that are going to be there at uh, at the fight shop in Planet Hollywood. And it took me like a split second to say, of course. And uh, Bad Boy sent them uh, some of our promo shots, and they already got the cards made up and everything. So, you know, all these fans go and support uh, Ray Seffo and the World Series of Fighting and then come by Planet uh, uh, Hollywood up at the fight shop from 1 to 3, and, uh, you know, want to look forward to uh, giving you guys some signed autographs and you get to meet some of the fighters. So uh, come on down. So that's awesome. 1 to 3 on Saturday the 1st. On Friday. Friday. 
Yeah, right before the weigh-ins, actually. All right, so the 31st of July at uh, Planet Ho- the Fight Shop in Planet Hollywood Casino in Las Vegas, right? Yes, if you could pass, pass the word, that'd be awesome. We'll we just do. did. We'll <laughs> there you go. Oh, continuous. <laughs> one show, brother. <laughs> All right, then. Very good. Stitch Duran, thank you very much. Thank you Appreciate so much. Appreciate the time. Such a pleasure. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Thanks. All right. Take care there. All right. We got like a minute and a half to cover like so many things. Yeah. So a lot happened last night. There were some fights that happened. Yeah. Let's just skip to the main event. Uh, <laughs> and mostly, Thoughts? I just did want to kind of cover it just because it was a championship fight. And a lot of people, Certainly. I don't want to, obviously, such important uh, figure that we had on the show. We've got guys blowing it up here in the chat room. It doesn't yeah. take away from the fact that championship fight, championship rematch, Burrell Dillashaw. Mm-hmm. What a fight. And I've been saying this for years, or not years, but since Dillashaw last won, is that he just has his number man yeah like I, I don't think anything taken away from Barrow just some guys just have your number and Dillashaw has Barrow's number and we saw it yesterday fifth round the first uh, the first time around fifth round finish this time a fourth round finish right uh, pretty much a lot of the same just and and there is, wasn't. You know? I mean, it was close. Uh, several. The first round, I thought was really close. I think Barrow uh, was. It was a lot closer this time around yeah. than the last time. But oh, either yeah. way, I. But I was given D, uh, TJ the certainly the second, third. Didn't need to give him the fourth. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts about Herb Dean? That stoppage was uh, went a little bit long. I was there. Tra- I counted the second time around, and uh-huh. maybe like ten seconds too long. Ten seconds. Yeah, that's a long time in general because those yeah. punches go fast. Exactly. So I think ten seconds. Like, and then from the fight that I sh- that I thought should have been stopped, mm-hmm. and then it actually getting stopped. So yeah, that was that was a little bit disconcerting. It was a strange night for uh, um, for the officiating there. I, th- I remember uh, Eve Levine also uh, had a, a strange strange moment in the earlier one. Um, was it yeah. the uh, and and her, the, actually the the Takanori Gomi one as well? Yeah, that was that, that was, was a strange. Uh, that was finish. more Lozon though, and like just kind of getting up and not allowing the, the ref to. Lo- yeah, Lozon throwing punches from from bottom, flattening out Gomi yeah. early in uh, in the first, and then just getting up and walking off Gomi before Herb Dean touches either fighter mm-hmm. or waves off the match. Yeah. And then Herb Dean finally does wave off the match. Another, another person I thought was impression is going to segue into real quick wrapping it up is Misha Tate looked amazing. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, she, she improved her striking, which says a lot because she mm-hmm. was already pretty good as well, which leads us into next week because now it looks like she's fighting the winner of Ronda Rousey versus Betch Cohea. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick predictions. I will never again in my life count out Ronda Rousey. Just kind of curious on how she's going to win. I'll count her out from coming on the show. <laughs> well, I think we can count her out of that one. I'm sure. I'm sure something can still be worked out. But either way, mm-hmm. Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey. Um, with that said, uh, she is pretty much the division, the girl, the woman of. I mean, just a week ago, she what won best, best, not best uh, women's athlete. She won best. No, I'm sorry, not best women's fighter, but best women's athlete. At the I don't athlete. think there's a best women's fighter. There's best fighter, I believe. I think she got best fighter and best female athlete. What did I say? Oh yeah, best women's fighter. Yeah, so she got best. Fighter and then best women's athlete, which says a lot because she yeah. beat girls over uh, Serena Williams, Lindsay Vaughn, Serena Williams, and yeah. that says a lot and shows you how, just how impactful that somebody like Ronda Rousey is. Now it's I think it's kind of cool. Now she's going into Brazil, and it's funny because thinking back, she's kind of been fighting a lot of California cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the last one was in L.A. The one before that, I think, February. Might have been. Uh, before that was, uh, I don't remember offhand. It might, might have been Vegas. either Vegas, so kind of close by. So I'm kind of curious. Just not that I think it's going to affect her. I think Ronda Rousey's a machine, no matter where she fights. Yeah, but it's kind of an extra dynamic going into your opponent. Not only the opponent, but the challengers. Not not the champion, but the challengers' home turf. We don't really see that too often. Yeah. Well, she's she has competed in, uh, in in judo competitions in Brazil. She yeah. says that she's you know familiar with that area and yeah. likes it a lot. Joe Boza said, "I'm calling you out, bro." She sa- he says Ronda is scared of Betch because Betch has destroyed her way through the four horsewomen. <laughs> I mean, no, dude. And, and, okay, Come so, on, man. So I was thinking about that too, and I feel God. I hope I don't get beat up for this because obviously we've heard stories about them beating up people. But dude, like I don't know what it is. Maybe just Ronda's that good. But even Jessamyn yeah. Duke, like, has she won a fight since she no, even came in? The horse Shayna Baszler, had the Marina horse, just fought and Invicta, and she lost. The horsewomen, I believe, have gone zero and six or zero and seven since this gimmick started. Um, of course, I mean, let's. I'm going to my notes here. Jess lost by twenty seven, or I'm sorry, no, twenty nine, twenty eight. So she did get that she last round. round. But um, Elizabeth Phillips had her number there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
was was landing flurries and, and Jess just wasn't getting off as as we typically do with with her striking and stuff. Um, man, what do you think? Should we uh, should we talk about uh, another Reebok moment with that uh, or Reebok point with that match? Go ahead. You didn't get to see it. No. Have you seen it on the internet? No. Sorry. One, one of the things that I was talking to somebody. Uh, look bad. A, a, no, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> a non-fan was. Uh, uh, we were talking last night. Um, one of the things in the Reebok rollout, we they talked about the the quality of the wear and how it is so um, so well designed for athletes. Mm-hmm. And last night during that uh, during that match, Jessamyn Duke and Elizabeth Phillips at the end of the third round, we had our very first ever that I know of nip slip. Oh, really? Yep. From who? Uh, Elizabeth Phillips was on the ground. Uh, the The match ended with uh, Duke in an arm bar, mm-hmm. uh, or having Elizabeth Phillips in an arm bar, and when the match ended, you got up, and, you know, it, was, we, it had rolled up there a little bit, which, you know, it, ironic, because you, in, at the rollout, you had Rhonda talking about how um, she was always concerned in the past. Like, there, there, were, there wasn't proper attire, fight attire for women, she would work with uh, yoga sports bras or yoga tops or whatever, and how this uh, the Reebok stuff was was so great and, and comfortable and you know did the job. Well, not so much so that one time. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Tate versus Rousey a third time? How uh, do you hype that one? Mark, how do you build marketability? It? I think it's going to be hard. Yeah. Uh, it, it's one of those double edged swords because I think if Betch wins. I, I think that's bad in terms of Rhonda is is just such a machine and such a beast, and she's mm-hmm. been built that way. Not not just because of the marketing, but it just the way she is. It's not really hard to market somebody who is like that in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the fight mode, of course, she's not. Obviously, you know, seeing her in, in, on appearances and in the media, she comes across as very you know genuine and you yeah. know shy at, at times. You know, um, but as far as from the fighting stance, is you have Rhonda being this person, and but then. Betch, not really, you know? Mm-hmm. She just kind of came out of nowhere, and she hasn't had the time that they've put in her. So seeing her against Tate, I, I think it'd be not really good as far... Like, it, it wouldn't main event a pay-per-view. It wouldn't headline a pay-per-view. Do you think that Misha versus Ronda 3? But with that said, it's kind of hard to market that as well, especially because yeah. it wasn't exactly a back-and-forth battle both right. times. It's one very one-sided, and ended very much so the same each time except different rounds i think the only thing you can do the only angle really is well two one of which i don't think that they will take is to is to to how do you say go back to the playground tactics yeah. you know talk the trash just poke the poke the bull as because yeah you can't do an ultimate fighter again obviously because right, they right. already did that yeah uh it's just one of those, like, I, I'm kind of curious how they're going to play it out. It's like, well, she's going to fight the girl who gave her, who took her to this third round, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I think that's and probably And that's an unthinkable. It. And the other, the other thing is maybe is, is Misha saying, I have reinvented my game. Yeah. You know, I'm a different fighter, which didn't, I think we heard that last time too. Exactly. Though. Um, what, what would you prefer? Well, I, let me I, ask I this. prefer Rousey Tate again. Yeah. Uh, I'd prefer As opposed that. to Tate, uh, yeah. Tate, uh, Yeah. It, and it's just not, not, not in terms of fight wise. I just think of marketability. If I was a, I, I'm thinking if I was a promoter, mm-hmm. but also as a fan, something to look in, look, look, something, something to look forward to. Yeah. And Tate and Rousey would, would be both. Yeah. Yeah. Just cause, I mean, mostly cause of Rousey from a promoter standpoint, I'd never want to see anyone else in that role unless it's, you know, maybe Cyborg. And even I was, I was thinking about it too. And, and even Cyborg. Where even if she goes down to 135, it's not like she's going to stay at 135. You know what I mean? Well, she will say that she will yeah, yeah. in that leading up to that fight in that she will say, I'm going to win the 135 belt and yeah. I'm going to defend it. And this is my new home. But I don't see her staying there. I'd see her obviously right. with so much trouble. So she says, and I believe her uh, getting to that weight. Who's to say that, you know, it's not always going to be like that. She's going to make it that one time. And then who knows what? She's going to say, make all these other excuses, legitimate or maybe illegitimate. Mm-hmm. Who knows? So, what if what if it comes to Ronda versus Cyborg at 135, Cyborg wins it, and then she vacates the belt? Uh, Boom! I know. I mean, that can, I mean that's a thing. Mike that's drop. a thing. It's like, I, I, I do think that she's the only person that would give Ronda a, a, a fair fight. Not a fair fight, but just a good a run fight. run for her money. Yeah. And it, I just don't see Cyborg saying at 135. And she yeah. would, there'd be no choice but to, for her to vacate the belt. Um, 
But hmm. that again, if that happens, that won't be until at least 2016. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I know the last cyborg fight was pretty quick. I'm sure they announced. Have they announced something? I for her? don't. Uh, not Just, that I know of. No, it was of course over um, July. Uh, it was uh, fight week. Yeah. The Invictus but yeah, show. I'm, I'm actually very much so. And I know. Uh, I know. I don't think we mentioned her. Our very own Daria Baronado. Um, I know she's who. Yeah, uh, I know she, <laughs> she's looking for that. Uh, looking forward to next week. I don't know if we have time for. After Buzz Predictions. Cue that sound bite, monkey. Oh. <laughs> it's someone else. Okay. And now, Good you're after Mark. Buzz Mark's the man. No, Dan took over. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's not Mark. I, believe. I know there's a few fights I'm looking forward to. Uh, it's not too often that we see the Noguera brothers fight on the same card, and this is one of them. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, Big Nog is fighting Stefan Struve. I know Struve is coming uh, mm-hmm. coming off a loss against again no notes I don't need who knows who needs notes Struve is coming man. off <laughs> me and you Ariel Hawani the challenge is on actually I do think he'd win <laughs> that's the trivia challenge right? no because no because I was watching you guys when he was on and he's sitting there naming all the numbers like oh well right. UMC one twenty three like I know things like that but I can't name the numbers right like there's just too many if, well, if there was like a name to it like UFC one eighty two invincible or something like that i'd be a lot better but but i can't do numbers i know it's, it's his job That's yeah i know one i know do. 100 i know 101 mm-hmm. one that's about it i know 190 189 because it just yes, happened obviously um but yeah with that said uh, uh big nog versus stefan Struve. Mm-hmm. big nog hasn't fought in a while though i feel like he kind of t- maybe toward the tail end of his career even even with yeah. his twin brother as well but st- same thing with Stefan Struve coming off a big injury a health issue. Big coming. Nog's last fight was, in fact, a loss against oh, Roy Nelson. Nelson. That was earlier this year, actually. Uh, 2014. That was earlier last year, actually. Yeah, yeah. He's on a looks like a two fight um, losing streak I, right I, now. I never like these fights in terms of I think the winner doesn't have that much to gain, mm-hmm. and I think the loser has more to lose uh, because of you know is Stefan Struve. Did the health issues uh, bother him that much to the point where it, now if he loses again, yeah. is he done? If he wins again. Well, he's not still not going to compete at that top level, right? Because yeah. of you know we've seen him fight the top level guys. Now you got Big Nog. Is if he loses, well, should he retire? Or if he wins, well, he's obviously not going to be at that top level again that would because be, we've seen him. That would be three in a row for Big Nog there. Exactly. Uh, Delano Lopez versus Heginaldo Vieira. I'm guessing in his pronunciation. What do you think of that one, man? Uh, I think it's going to be a good fight. <laughs> There you go. I think there's going to be two people, a lot of punches, a lot of kicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fernando Bruno and Giaco Franco Mojea. Ditto. Right? Touche and- about, about the last fight. <laughs> but the event. next fight, I don't want to say I'm looking that much forward to it, but just based on if any – I don't know if it's on the actual fight pass. I know not everything. Is everything in pride on fight pass? Um, everything. I believe the Pride, m- most all of the Pride collection. I want to say all. Because if that's the case, for. then this is a rematch of a previous Pride fight, mm-hmm. in which I thought was one of the best fights I've ever seen at that time. Mm, yeah. Um, maybe maybe looking at the whole landscape, maybe top 10 fights of all time. Wow. Um, obviously, I remember at that time thinking top five, but obviously we've seen so many good fights since, sure, sure. since what, is it 05 since the last fight? Uh, uh, Mauricio Shogunhua against uh, Antonio Littlenog. Or which one yep. is Minotaro? Aren't they both Minotauros for some reason? Uh, Minot- no, no, no. There's Minotaro and Minotaro. Minotaro is Big Nog, because uh, he has the extra leg- letter. Mm-hmm. Little Nog is Minotauro. Okay, so, so either way, Little smaller Nog, name, Little Nog versus Shogun. Yeah. Um, but again, going back to their pride fight, and this was the one where Shogun I think won the tournament, wasn't he? That uh, was Critical Countdown was 05, 2005, right? June 2005. Yeah, over ten years ago. Yeah, I think I, the Critical Countdown is uh, was middle of the show because it's final. No, no, it, no, it, the, well, it wasn't the finals. Or, I know that the tournament sure. it was like the semifinals. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. that. I know okay. for a fact it was not the finals. I know right. that for sure. But I remember watching. I'm thinking this is this fight is amazing. Mm-hmm. Again, fast forward. You know, I've seen Shogun versus Dan Henderson, and that that mm-hmm. to me was one of the top. And three Shogun fights and of all Dan time. Henderson again. Yeah, but yeah. no, I mean, I, I think very few fights can compare to that first Henderson Shogun fight. Oh, absolutely. Oh agree. my god. Yeah, oh, slobber knocker to be sure. So that's the co-main event is uh, Shogun and Little Nog, and of course Rousey and Kohea. Do, do you think Rousey's going to win? Yes, by, I, I don't by, even have a joke for that. By how much? I feel badly that it sounds that by, sounds a bit too by how submissive. much? Um, 
It's a good question. That, that was the question I was going to ask you is, is this going to be another fast stoppage? Or as Rhonda says, is this going to be a punishment for a little I'm while? I'm going to go with what Rhonda, Rhonda says because, what, I mean, whatever what she Rhonda says, says goes. Obviously, whatever she says goes in that cage. Right, right. So What she wants she, to do, she does. Yeah, right? exactly. I've never seen her not being able to do anything. Maybe the mm-hmm. exception of not finishing Tate a lot sooner in that fight. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if she says she's going to punish her for a round and then make her submit in round two, then I believe it. Do you think it's possible that she gets her in armbar position and then lets go and gets up and keeps striking? I think she's going to find a way to punish other body parts. Mm. So she'll get in that position, but right. knows she knows what else to do to kind of not go there. And she knows that, well, now I know I'm going to do it again. Right. But, you know, I know how to do it. Well, now that she doesn't know how to do it. I wonder if but. we're going to see a new improved clinch game. I don't know, dude. I mean... Again, my opinion is, is kind of my... the. Train of thought is when you're training, do work on the stuff that you're not known for, the mm-hmm. stuff that people think you're never going to pull out. And we haven't really seen clinch game per se. Yeah, from her we always full see, strike. We always see something new, unless yeah. it's like a 15 second fight. But even then, we see something new. You know, like mm-hmm. even when she fought Sarah McMahon, it's like you know her getting her and just kind of like a headlock, and you know, like you did in yeah. elementary school. And even with Cat and Zingano, it's like mm-hmm. wow, that's an interesting submission move. So yeah, it is always something new. Yeah. Uh, with that said, uh, I, I really do think Ronda Rousey's one of the best fighters of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even, if you really think about it in the bigger picture, maybe even the best female fighter of all time. Oh, almost. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Best female fighter. Top 10 for, maybe top 5 for best, certainly top 5 for best, best for fighter pound. right now, yeah. pound for pound. I, I'm going top 3. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, I feel it's it's hard to argue that. She's, in the way that she's blown out the divisions, Master Shavs. Uh, top 10 all time. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll say that. Just the way Certainly her, her, for MMA. And I always say this all the time. It's it just so much more than training camp. That's why I, I, I get a little annoyed whenever I hear the argument of, like, the, especially the Mendez-McGregor that just happened two weeks ago. It's like, oh, if Mendez had a full training camp, it would be a different story. Mm-hmm. What about if McGregor had a full camp? You know, it, it's I, I'm not so much buying into the whole training camp because you can't teach that factor that Ronda Rousey has because she trains with the other four, four horsewomen or the other three, I suppose. And how are they doing? You know, nothing against them, but it just shows that that certain thing that you can't teach that Ronda Rousey has. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what separates her from everyone else in the entire world as far as not only a female fighter, but yeah. fighter in general. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, it's fun being here, you know, as adults, not, you know, not so much growing up and kind of... Because when I, I was a kid, when Mike Tyson was, was a big deal and I didn't really mm-hmm. understand, you know, exactly oh, where, where you're going. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, but yeah, yeah. being here in my age and our age and seeing Ronda Rousey and, and having all this access, access to see her in her absolute best, like... And being able really to is. process and understand what a exactly. phenomenon we're seeing. It, it really is like yeah. a blessing. I mean... And I can only because imagine. You can't predict these kind of things. Another generation might not necessarily have a Mike Tyson or a Ronda Rousey. Exactly. But they will have great fighters. Yeah. There's people to get behind. Is there anyone, I think maybe aside from Conor McGregor, is there anyone you see that maybe can fit that role? Of just somebody Before got... last night, I would have said Paul Felder. No, just yeah. kidding. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, just having that, that factor that you just can't teach at a gym, that you just can't, you know, you know give to. You just got to have it. There's, I mean, there's a lot of guys having great, great moments on the rise now. You know, I think of uh, Makwan Amir Khani mm. has a lot. I don't know if it's the right criteria. I mean, don't know his background nearly as, as well enough, but I believe he's uh, undefeated right now. Um, possibly we will see his rise. Um, Henry, uh, Henry Cejudo, Henry Cejudo uh, I, I think has a really bright future. Mm-hmm. Um, but are those guys next generation guys or are they on the rise now? You know, we could, we could argue that that's, point that's far mag- longer than we have studio time that's for. The be- yeah. We're, we're wrapping up <laughs> soon. So, but that's the best part about MMA is there are, there's no wrong answer as far as yeah. you have your Rhonda and your Connor that just kind of right off the bat and mm-hmm. they just kind of went full, you know, mm-hmm. full speed ahead. But then you have your San- Henry Suhudos where he's not exactly destroying people, yeah. but that doesn't take away at all from his world-class athleticism and, and his, you know, fighting ability. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the great thing about MMA. There's so much, a little bit of everything. Yeah. And yeah. then you put them all together and guess what? Mixed martial arts. Yeah. Demetrius Johnson's in that mix as well. Yeah. Not just for the pun for pun conversation, but finishing when he wants to finish, you know? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. I think we'll uh, what what we expect to see from Ronda in deciding when the match finishes mm-hmm. next week is what I think we do see with Demetrius. See, Johnson. that's what I like about guys like TJ and Demetrius is that even though they may be winning winning on the on the cards, 
that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to not try to finish as completely. Mm-hmm. We've seen with Demetrius Johnson's last, was it his last fight? Mm-hmm. 459 into the fifth yeah. round. I mean, that just goes to show you, yeah, you're not going to coast no matter how far ahead are you in the scorecard. In the yeah. scorecard. So, yeah. Kudos to all you guys. It's turned out like a positive show. Yeah, you know, yeah. sometimes we have that. Maybe, maybe because of, you know, <coughs> the lack of you know who. <laughs> Hey, we love you. <laughs> Guys, that is it. We're going to wrap up here. Thanks once again to Stitch Duran for coming on. Uh, George, where are they finding you on the internet? You can find me at G Hermosa. Not on Ashley Madison, but at G Hermosa. G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A on Twitter and on Instagram. What about you, Jay? Jtan716 all over your internet. Uh, the big three, of course, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, what's that on the Instagram? My and space. probably a bunch of other social media that I don't even realize that I'm on. So, regardless, we will catch you guys next week. Rousey, Kohea, Hua, Noguera, Noguera, and Struve. Struve, and many others. We'll talk to you later. Peace. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 